folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. Welcome into another episode of Purple Insider, and this is a very special episode on the line with the former Minnesota Viking quarterback, Gus Farratt, to talk about the highest-rated game by a quarterback in Minnesota Viking history, which, yes, belongs to Gus Farratt. Gus, how are you? I'm doing great, Matthew. How are you? I am doing really well, and I want to tell people first, before we dive into this game, in 2003, September 28th, against the San Francisco 49ers at the Metrodome, before we dive deep into this, that people should go check out your show, which is Huddle Up with Gus, and I'm always surprised, Gus, it pops up. I guess I shouldn't be. Journeyman quarterbacks, uh, they know a lot of people, and you you always get A-listers on your show. So I I get Sage Rosenfels, and you'll have, like, Peter King or somebody. No, and you have you get Gus Farratt. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I you know I've been lucky. I've met some people, and they know some people. So today, actually, my son and I are going together. Going to interview Anthony Davis from the Lakers. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We've had some great guests, and I've been really lucky. And uh, it's been a lot of fun doing the podcast. And people can check us out at uh, you know at our website, huddleupwithgus.com. Anthony Davis. Wow. Okay. All right. Yes, I have Gus Fraud, but I have a really cool angle to interview you, Gus, and that is this game in 2003. So I was just playing around on Pro Football Reference and doing some different searches, and I got curious because I assumed that it would be Dante Culpepper with all the crazy games he had or Randall Cunningham from 1998, one of the great seasons by a quarterback in NFL history, and I search, and they're up there with a lot of great games. But your stat line from this game on September 28th, 03, against the San Francisco 49ers is 16 for 21, 267 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 157.2 quarterback rating. So let, let's, just, let's just begin with you starting this game because you come to Minnesota as Dante's backup, 
He is out with a back injury. And what do you kind of remember about joining the Vikings the first time in 2003 and, and what the situation was leading up to this game? Well, the year before I was with the Bengals and, um, you know, that wasn't a good situation. And I remember uh, Coach Tice and uh, Scott Linehan coming to visit me in uh, Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, we, were, we we hit it off pretty well. And from that point on, Scott and I became very close. And I loved his offense because he was very similar to the first style of offense I was in when I played for the Redskins. And so um, I think it was just – it was a great meeting. And then getting to the Vikings uh, instantly – kind of molded with, with, with everyone there, uh, kind of had the same viewpoint on how football is played, and uh, just really enjoyed my time there. And then just going in was relaxed. You know Dante's going to be the starter. You're going to go in and do whatever you can to, uh, you know, kind of uphold if he gets hurt or if anything happens, and, and you just got to go in and do your job. And, and But I just enjoyed my time immensely in Minnesota, and uh, – my family loved it. Uh, we, we rented a house up there and we got to know a lot of great people in Minnesota and uh, just a great community and, and great football town. So a lot of times, Gus, when you're the journeyman backup quarterback and you know, you're know you backing up someone like Dante Culpepper, you want to game manage, right? You want to not make mistakes. And Sage has talked about this on the show numerous times about how you go in with oftentimes the mindset of don't turn the ball over, don't be the reason that you lose. And uh, in this case, you come right out slinging in this game. And I, I just want to go over the touchdowns with you because they're really they're all really something. So the first touchdown is a jump ball to Randy Moss. Like, imagine. Uh, he It appears on this play, because I can only find the old Chris Berman highlights on this, which are awesome right. as, as, you know, and classic to have Chris right. Berman. I mean, that's like, I mean, for, for somebody who grew up, you know, watching Chris Berman, I guess it's just, it feels like it must be really cool to be like, Gus Farratt throwing a touchdown. But anyway, uh, so he's the only receiver out on this play, and it looks like it's supposed to be kind of a screen look on one side and maybe a, maybe a kind of a little bit of a play action or the running back looks like he's going to take a handoff and it's only Moss and the, the 49ers seemed a little confused and you just flip it up into the end zone for him and he just goes up and snatches it. There, there's nobody in history, Gus, who can just go up and snatch the ball like that and make it look like the easiest thing in the entire world on a fade. Well, you know, the thing about Randy was he could do it on a little fade that's, you know, when you're on the five-yard line, or he could do it when you're on the other 25 and run 60 yards and catch it like it's no big deal. Right. Uh, he was such an amazing player that his body never got out of control, and that's what made him great was, I mean, obviously he had great hands. Uh, you know, he had he had unbelievable speed, but a lot of guys have speed, but they don't. You know, when the ball's coming down to somebody on your heels, he did it. He was just uncanny of how he would not even let the defender know the ball was coming so many times. And then if he had to, he'd go pick a peanut off somebody's head and, and go over top of them and grab it. So, um, you know, he was just, just an amazing player, and I was really thankful I got to play with him. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And in this game, he ends up with three touchdowns and 172 yards, and we'll break down the other touchdowns as well because – he actually ends up with four, but he got called for a pass interference, which might have been on the best catch that he made that day. But what was it like working with Moss leading up to that? Because a lot of guys that played with Moss talk about how he would have the flashcards and, and be really diligent in terms of game planning and stuff like that. But his outside perception was a little bit different 
than what his uh, he was known for from teammates. So what was it like, kind of you know, in practice and, and preparing to get ready to to start this game? Yeah, Randy was Randy, you know, and it's it, you know if you've watched that uh, the Dennis Rodman or the the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan thing where they talk about Dennis Rodman who had a personality, but he, they couldn't have won all those championships without him, you know, and and the thing about Randy was he had a personality and and uh, people knew how to deal with him and you, you just let Randy be Randy. Some days he was, you know, different, and other days he was normal and whatever it was, but. You know, I played dominoes with him all the time, and, and we, we did a lot of stuff in the mornings. He was a great teammate. I mean, this guy used to get clothes from Nike and give them away to all the linemen because he had like a 15 shoe. And, you know, he, he, he loved his team. He loved the locker room. Uh, yeah, there were times when he got bothered a lot by the press and the media, and it was annoying. But he never kind of like in the locker room, he was just Randy. You could talk to him. You could approach him. Um, I really never felt like he was – bigger than anybody else in there even though he was so the second touchdown yeah and that's interesting because I've heard that from a number of different teammates with him that you know in practice he was always the the guy who's working really hard and things like that and um, that he was very different from what he presented himself to often with the media and then if you've watched the 30 for 30 on him Rand University you get much better of an understanding of why he would not be trusting of a lot of people and want to kind of just focus on what he did in football. Right, um, right. The second touchdown is, is a classic Randy Moss touchdown. I mean, you mentioned that he could do the fade no matter what, and that's what this is. Now, I want to know from your perspective, though, how hard is it to kind of do the drop in the bucket from 35 or 40 yards out? You do a play action here, and they've got a lot of guys in the box. And, and so, you know, I mean, even with – it surprises me that even with a play action that Randy Moss has only one guy on him down the sideline. But I would imagine that it's an automatic, if Moss is one-on-one down the sideline, you know that you're making that throw. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's, you know, they talk about Peyton Manning kind of going through his reads, Tom Brady looking for matchups. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you got Randy Moss one-on-one, that's where you're going. <laughs> I mean, I, I've played, when we played the Lions one year, and I was quarterback, and Randy had a bad back. It was covered too. There was a guy on him. There was a safety over top of them, and I still threw a fade to him because he beat them both. <laughs> I mean, he was just—he was just an, an amazing player. And if you had one on one, you know, it was like, okay, if this guy's out in front, put it behind. Randy just knew how to uh, play the game, how to play the position, anywhere you threw it. And if he had a step on somebody, you knew you were letting it go. And, and the drop in the bucket pass is just something that you work on. You practice and practice and practice. Those things don't just happen. I mean, those are from hours and hours of being out there before and after practice and making those throws. So at this point in the game, you've got a couple of touchdowns. On the other side, they're melting down. San Francisco is losing it. Terrell Owens is yelling at his offensive coordinator. Jeff Garcia has thrown a couple of interceptions. You have a drive where you hand off every single time, and and Mo Williams and Ontario Smith take you down the field. So now now you're just you're just rolling at this point. Are you aware when you're the quarterback on one side if the other team is melting down on the on the other sideline? Like, can you see Terrell Owens going after his offensive coordinator? Or are you kind of like in your own world there on your sideline? No, you don't really see that unless somebody mentions it. I don't look for that stuff. I'm more of, you know, coming off the sideline, let's go over what we need to do better. Let's check our uh, 
everything um, on at that time we had pictures. Now you can watch a complete video of the play, um, and then you know you're going out and watching your defense and you're rooting them on and and uh, you know. You don't really notice that kind of stuff until after the game. Somebody mentions it to you. But, you know, it, it's tough. You know, uh, when Terrell Owens is expecting to have a good game against one of the other best receivers in the league, and he doesn't, you know, that those kind of things are tough for people sometimes. And, and uh, I just remember that game just, you know, seemed like everybody was open. I don't know why you just have games like that where it's like you're going to put it in there, you're gonna, and uh, there's just going to be – it's going to be hard to stop your offense. And we had that kind of offense, um, you know, that year. And I was lucky enough to be able to step in there when Dante got hurt. And my other thing that I really loved was being able to, you know, I had the headset on every game, was able to call the plays in from Scott Linehan. And I was the guy that uh, did all that. And, uh, you know, I think that was beneficial for me as a backup quarterback to stay in the game that way. Um, and, and I thought it was great for the coaches to re- relinquish some of that um, – some of that ownership to me and um, let me do that, that they trusted me enough and they thought I was smart enough to be able to, to go in there and call the plays. That's interesting. How often does that happen in the NFL? Uh, it doesn't happen very often. That was only the, those two years were the only years that I did that. Um, nobody else would ever let me do that, even though I asked them to let me. <laughs> because usually what some, a lot of times it doesn't happen because a coach is on the sideline calling the plays anyway. So he just pushes the button, calls the place to the quarterback. Now, a lot of times when there's a coach in the box, you can't do that, so you have to relay the play down to the field, and then you call the play in. But for me, it's because we, Dante and I, we were in every meeting together, and we had all our notes from the coaches and everything. I was able to tell him stuff rather than just saying, here's the play. I could say, hey, look, if it's cover two, we want to think here. If it's, if it's cover one, we want to think here. You know, be alert for this. You know, and then Coach Tice was always yelling in my ear to tell the lineman something, and I rarely ever put that on Dante. You know, he, the lineman can figure it out. They're smart enough. We had Matt Burke as our center, and, and there's no better player out there. Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their partnership with Michelob Golden Light for the Mick Golden Light fishing club merch line the logo includes a walleye chugging a beer and they have it on shirts hoodies windbreakers and more if you haven't seen it yet you definitely have to check it out and also we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order just use the promo code purple insider for free shipping that's soda stick s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping yeah, yeah, no, that that is a really interesting thing. So I I enjoyed watching this year the XFL, and one of the things that they did on the broadcast was they would show the offensive coordinator, head coach sending in the play calls. And I mean, first of all, it's sort of remarkable about how quick it feels. You know, when you're watching the game, it's like all right, they're in the huddle, and then they're you know wandering up to. But when it's actually going on, and you're having to call the plays, it feels a little bit faster than that and I remember Kevin Stefanski talking about how it felt fast at first um, but that's really interesting that you were able to add little observations and things that could help him from the sideline and I, I wonder why that doesn't happen more often it must be just because coaches don't want to give up that control yeah I don't really know why that is and I think a lot of times the coaches are are just thinking so much of the next play and and 
where are we going next and what's going to happen. Like, oh, if we don't get the first down here, it's going to be third and short. You know, those kind of things. So their minds always work in another place where, where I didn't have to worry about that because that was Scott's job. My mind was saying, okay, here's the play. What are our notes? What can I tell Dante that, you know, he may not be thinking of? And Dante loved it. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, man, it helps so much. So, so we got along really well because of that. And uh, I love doing that because, for me, whether I was a backup or the starter or whatever, it's all about the team. It doesn't matter who's playing. We all want to win. And so um, I really enjoyed doing that, and I appreciate the coaches for letting me do that. Well, how much did that help when you did get in the game? I mean, it feels like if you're speaking the language all the time that you would be fluent in it by the time you get out there. Well, it's not that you're not fluent in it if you're not on the headset. It's just that you're in the game. You're kind of understanding what the coaches are talking about, what they're thinking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you know, you kind of listen. You get a, Every quarterback usually has an ear set. They can listen to what their play calls are. But you're kind of just talking to other people. I mean, this is – you're into the game. You can't screw up. You can't bullshit. You can't go in and, and – you know, tell a joke to somebody. You're you're right. in the game when the offense is out there. You're in the game with them, and so if you have to go in, you're prepared, you're ready, and it's just like you've been playing the whole time. Yeah, that's that's really unique and a, a cool experience. Um, so is throwing a 59 yard touchdown to Randy Moss, and uh, I have to ask the next touchdown that you throw. Well, the next touchdown you throw goes to Nate Burleson, and you're really feeling it at this point. Um, so we'll get to the 59-yarder in a second. Because you throw the touchdown to Moss uh, that's a fade in the back of the end zone. The refs say he pushed off. It's a great catch, typical, like get the feet down, everything else. So they, right. move, they move you back. And then you fire one to Nate Burleson. I mean, this is you are like jacking up to throw. This is a shortstop making the deep play in the hole. Fire this one to Nate Burleson for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you're continuing to roll in this game. But... I mean, I don't know. It, it just looks like, and it's only from the highlights that I could find, that you are really feeling it at that point. Like, There's a big celebration, a fist pump, and it just seems like you're having a lot of fun at that point in the game. Well, I mean, yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. I mean, that was Nate Burleson's first touchdown he ever caught in the NFL. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, that was uh, – we still talk about that every now and then. I think it was a cover, cover two beater. He was running a seam down the middle um, because, obviously, they're playing Moss. You know, he just got called for, um, you know, he caught a touchdown, but it didn't count, so he moved back. They're playing cover two. Nate beats a linebacker, the nickelback, whoever's covering him. And, you know, he just, you just got a little window, and you got to fire it in there and put it right on him. And, and uh, you know, I remember, you know, I was excited because Nate got his first touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, when guys come into the NFL and they, they make plays like that, and, and they, you know, that's like their dreams coming true. And so I was really excited for Nate at that point. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pumped for Randy because Randy just does what he does, and it's so amazing to be able to play with him and be able to throw touchdowns to him. But, uh, you know, when a guy like Nate comes in and and gets to throw him his first touchdown, that's pretty incredible too. And he was a third-round pick too. So not a guy that came in as a first-rounder or anything like that and had to work his way into that opportunity to get that touchdown. So very cool. But the next one is is vintage Randy Moss, and you get a little bit of pressure. And you're, we're talking about now this is full blowout mode. You're up twenty eight to nothing. 
you get some pressure, you drop back, the, the guy comes off the edge and you step up and you give the full like outfielder trying to throw the guy out at home from the wall. Like the, the hop step and the jump and throw it 50-something yards in the air to Randy Moss. He goes in for a 59-yard touchdown. I Is this your long – well, this is not your longest touchdown as a Viking, but is this the farthest throw in the air that you ever made? Probably. It's pretty close to one of them. I mean, you don't get many opportunities to throw it that far, you know, or have a guy that's going to be open that far downfield. But, right. but you know, it's funny that you mentioned that throw like that, like it's an outfielder throw, but – because when you watch all these quarterbacks that have played with Randy, their highlight throws are all throws like that. Mm-hmm. They're winding up. They're winding up and letting it rip. And he's catching it 60, 65 yards downfield and toe-tapping in the end zone. And, and um, it's kind of funny that you said that. But, you know, those are the things that you got to do with them. And, you know, it's just it's just amazing. I was blessed with an arm that could throw it. And, and uh, you know, you, you meet guys who can – run underneath it and it's, it's a lot of fun to play like that well I, I was talking about this not too long ago that Dante's highlight reel is entirely either Dante running over linebackers because he weighed 260 pounds as a quarterback right. or it's him launching it 60 yards in the air to Randy Moss just running down the field and it looks like the, the best part about this this last touchdown is that it looks like he's double covered but it it's not. It's just with him. It's just not. You can have two guys there, and it and it doesn't matter. And I I know that I'm spending a lot of time on Randy Moss here, but this is like one of his vintage classic games of catching eight out of ten passes, 172 yards, and this one in particular. I don't know if there there's a favorite of these touchdowns or of all your touchdowns to Randy Moss, but this this is the coolest looking one I think. Yeah, no, I think it is, you know, because, you know, Randy had this knack, and we used to practice this, that he always said, look, if I, if I get up somebody and i got to come back and they're playing, they're in, I'm going to put my hand up and I'm just going to take off. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times, if you go back and probably watch his film when he comes off the ball and he feels like he can get past the defense, you'll see really quick his hand go up above his helmet. So- and if you watch that, how many times that happens, um, it's amazing because even a cover two safety who's 25 yards deep, he's 10 yards away, but he knows that guy's flat-footed, and he's in three steps, he's got to be past him. I didn't know and that's quarter, why he did that, that he, that he yeah. did that to change the route. I thought he just did it to be a baller. No, that that's how that's how we knew as a quarterback that, hey, look, he's breaking the route off and he's going deep. And so, um, I mean, it's it's – really is genius because why not do that? I mean, that's the game. That's that's backyard football that everybody wants to do, and that's what made uh, the Vikings so exciting. That is very cool because there, there's a particular highlight of his, I think from his first year, where he throws the hand up, and he runs by a corner that was a 4-3 speed corner and just goes by him with his hand up in the air still. The fact that somebody could be so fast that they could go by people while still like slowing themselves down by throwing the hand up in the air is truly like not from this earth, and that was, that was Randy Moss. So you, you finish this game 35-7, to and then you go into the next game and also play really well. Uh, against Atlanta in kind of a shootout. You win 39-26, and then, of course, Dante takes over. The 2003 season does not end the way that anybody wanted it to end, I'm sure, with the Vikings and sort of classic, you know, Vikings lore for this one. Um, But 
The the 2004 season I wanted to ask you about too, um, because sure. that's that's one of the great quarterback seasons of all time for Dante. And right. I didn't know before we started this that you had that relationship of you know calling the plays uh, and sending the plays into him and things like that. What was that like? I mean that that 04 season. I mean he ends up. Um, I don't have his stats right here in front of me, but like it's. I mean he could have been the MVP if Peyton Manning doesn't have an all time great season. And I just feel like. There maybe isn't because he had the injury and his career was kind of shortened in a way or his prime was shortened in a way. There isn't the true appreciation for Dante Culpepper, but there should be because his peak was absolutely incredible. No, it was incredible, you know, and I think when you put a talent like Dante with a talent like Randy, a talent like we had on the offensive line, uh, you know, and we had uh, good running backs and we had great tight ends. I mean, all that together offense was, was really good. And the way that it ended was kind of sad and uh, felt like we should have been way better and gone a lot further. And I'm sure those guys all feel the same way. But Dante was an incredible talent, big, fast, strong, could throw the football, um, could run the football. And just, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I never had – you know, even though Dante was a starter and I was a backup, and then we had Sean Hill there as well, we never had any animosity towards each other. We had a lot of fun, and uh, Dante was just Dante, and we let him be who he was, and I just loved helping him be the best he could be. Before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that there is no shortage of action going on right now at our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Sean Hill, man, uh, great, great guy. Uh, to I covered him, you know, in 2016. Actually, he was just like you. Like, make the second appearance. If you if you make a second appearance with a team, you are officially a journeyman quarterback. Um, <laughs> my my, I'll tell my quick Sean Hill story. I went up to Sean Hill and asked him one time uh, for some quarterback perspective, similarly to what I would do with you on our radio shows. Like, uh, hey, give me some quarterback perspective. And he said, Yeah, the practice squad quarterbacks over there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, okay, okay. And then he answered the questions nicely, but I just thought it was like his very dry sense of humor was was funny. So yeah, um, the uh, the the last thing I, I wanted to ask you guys, this has been just super fun. Is uh, you still obviously when on your show analyze the NFL and the Vikings went through a lot of changes this off season with their defense and trading Stephon Diggs, and I just I, I need a huddle up with Gus sports take on the Vikings and where you think they're at in their trajectory with this kind of retooling. Uh, do you still see them at the top of the NFC North or what's your kind of feeling on 2020? Yeah, I think so. I think with, uh, you know, with coach Zimmerman, uh, he's done a great job with the defense. I think their defense is going to be really good. Uh, I think losing Stefan Diggs obviously probably hurts them, but you know, knowing, um, coach Kubiak and, and the people that they have there, um, you know they're they're going to find people that can play, and uh, you know, obviously it's going to be uh, important to keep Dalvin Cook out in the field. The run game 
helps Kirk Cousins so much. And Kirk is just a good quarterback. He's he's high percentage. Uh, he can make the throws downfield too. I mean, I've seen him make some great throws running to his left. Uh, you know, and and they're going to do things that, that give them the opportunity to win. I always felt like when you play in that dome, you should never lose because you have such a 12, 12 man advantage. Mm-hmm. And even now, uh, you know, with what the Vikings are doing, I think they're just poised to really make a run. And I hope they do. You know, the Vikings franchise and where they've been um, has been hard to watch kind of because they've been so close and yet yeah. haven't gotten there. And, uh, you know, they definitely, if you look at a franchise, deserve to get to the top of the mountain. And uh, I think with their ownership, uh, the kind of people that they are, um, and how they love to uh, work with their coaches and how they love to work with their players. Uh, I think that everybody really feels good about how they can go in this season, do the right things, make the plays, and get them back to where they want to be, you know, top of the division, uh, chance to uh, win the NFC, and then go on to uh, win a Super Bowl. So I hope they get to do that. Uh, it's a great place. The fans deserve it, and, uh, you know, I, I I don't want anything else but for them to uh, get to the top of mountain. Well, and I certainly hope that we're talking about full stadiums again at some point here soon. Though I'm not super confident in that, but uh, you know, I guess you know we'll see. I just it's one of those things that everything that we talk about with 2020, it's like I hope uh, we'll we'll find out. I guess, um, but you're well, right. Well, even if it's not. You know, you're still when you go out and cross those white lines. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if there's one fan or or seventy thousand. You're going to go play the game like you want to play it. Obviously, with the home field advantage is a big difference, but you know you're going to go out and play and try and try and do the best you can. I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the season goes. What happens if somebody does um, test positive during the season? You know, um, through the whole what what happens with the whole team with the building. So it's going to be really interesting. I know people want sports back, and I know people want uh, all this to come back very quickly. But, you know, I also know that, that a lot of people have died this year in a short, very short amount of time mm-hmm. from the terrible um, um, virus and pandemic. So, you know, I just want everybody to be safe. You know, our health, football will always be there. And, you know, we may miss a season. It may not be what we all wanted, but we know it's always going to be here. And we just got to keep growing it, get keep kids uh, playing it, and uh, do the right thing. And I think, uh, you know, everyone will be more appreciative. You know, in 10 years, we got to look back at this, and, and hopefully we all say we did the right thing. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point, that if things have to get delayed or moved back or changed, altered significantly, that, uh, you know, hopefully it's just – one one year or one time that we have to do this and we all move on. Um, you know, I I, I don't want to get super cynical on the podcast, Gus. So we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, but uh, that that's my hope. I always hope for better when it comes to just about anything. So anyway, you're a great follow on Twitter at Gus Farad. The show is outstanding, and I love that you came right in dropping. Oh yeah, I'm going to interview Anthony Davis. Uh, so good for you. Uh, huddle up with Gus at Huddle Up with Gus. On Twitter is the show. It is a, a very cool venture for you, Gus. And I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate you coming on. And it's just, uh, it's great to catch yeah, make, up with you again, man. Make sure you listen on Monday. I have Brett Boone on, and you know he's a third generation Major League Baseball player. Uh, he talks about his grandfather in the major leagues, his his dad Bob, and his brother Aaron, 
who is now the general manager of the New York Yankees. So he was a great interview, um, and I did it with my co-host, uh, Marnie Schneider, who, who was subbing for my regular co-host, Dave Hager. But uh, it's going to be a great one for Father's Day. I mean, they're hoping for the fourth generation upcoming getting to the major leagues, which would be uh, really cool to see. Yeah, that's very cool. The A-listers on Huddle Up with Gus. I was not – Kidding. And you get the you get the D listers with Gus Frat. Uh, so you know what though the D listers, if you want to call it that, I wouldn't. But uh, great stories, just like on this podcast, you know. So uh, the, the journeymen always have stories, Gus. Always, yeah. We, <laughs> that's because we get to go a lot of places and meet a lot of people. Exactly, exactly. And then you end up with all these cool people on your podcast at Huddle oh, yeah. Up with Gus is the show. And uh, great to catch up with you again, man. I hope we can do it again soon. Yep. Thanks, Matt. Take care.